My son the other day, it was nearing Father's Day, and he's four months old and cute and great. Um, so one morning, Lily had left for work, and me and him are just laying in our bed, and I have him on the pillow, and I'm just kind of propped up talking to him, and he's talking back. And he does, like, the absolute sweetest thing. This is kind of, this is kind of like a, a cute story. All right, so sorry that I'm going to be like, he's adorable and all that stuff. But he, he starts, like, touching my face while we're talking with both his little paws, you know, he's just like touching my face and he's like rubbing my beard and it's just so cute to me, right? And so I start talking to him and I start touching his face. It's like the sweetest, most endearing moment and I'm getting really close to like kind of being emotional about it because he's like talking and like talking quiet and I'm talking to him and he's like touching my eye and he didn't talon it. He didn't like Wolverine my eyeball out or anything. He's just being very gentle and sweet. I'm just like, oh my Lord, this is like the best gift in the entire world. I'm just so happy that he's my son, and he's talking, and he stops, he stops touching me with one hand, and he strikes me right in the mouth, kind of hard, and it startled me, because I was like, oh, like, oh my goodness, my little son, and it startled me, and I bit my lip when he did, and it made my lip bleed, so my son busted me in the mouth, and then he was no longer sweet, he just was yelling, he was like, ah, ah," and growling at me, and all this stuff, and I was like, that's cool, thanks, man, so I called Lily, and I was like, our son struck me face today for the first time and it was wonderful um but it was this beautiful moment because with me and him we were having this lovely enjoying each other moment and then it was broken by a wicked fist you know it was it was great but I I do want us to read about and talk about today um this this idea of in of enjoying these kind of moments and not just these moments but how do we walk a life how do we live a life in which these things aren't moments that we enjoy, but it's, but it's this idea that we live in the enjoyment, that we live with that kind of abiding, okay? So let's turn to John 2. All right, let's get there, if you have your Bible. And also, or First John 2, and then we're going to also turn to John 15, okay? So get in both places if you can. I think one of them is going to be on the screen, possibly. The other one, more than likely, will not be, okay? So let me read that to us. I'm going to start reading in verse 24 in First John Actually, in 14. I was just kidding. It says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desire of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, I want to stop real quick right there, and, and I kind of want your response to this, Okay. Has anyone heard this passage? Maybe if you, if you did grow up in church, you've probably heard this a little bit. Um, I was in a youth group and kind of think that this verse was used poorly with me in my small town youth group. But I want to ask kind of what, what everyone thinks of this or has heard of this. When you hear something that says, do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What does that make you think? Or how has that been explained to you? Well or poorly, it doesn't matter. This is like, and you can yell out if you want to. Okay, don't worship the things of the world. All right, what else? Okay, don't get consumed on the material plane. I like that. Hmm. 
Okay. Okay. What else? Thoughts? Uh-uh. So maybe don't find your identity in the world. We're hearing this this kind of echo over and over. It can be very tricky to me. So again, growing up, I was this was used to like not be friends with people that didn't believe like you, which was very interesting to me. Uh, Paul, there's a very strong uh, word Paul uses for that, and then he also says other places. He says, "I'm not telling you." To, to pull yourself out of the world. He's like, that's foolish. He's like, how, how are you supposed to share the light if you're not within it? If, if you're not in the world, acting in it, getting your hands dirty in the world, how are you, how are you ever going to make a difference within it, right? And so we have this interesting tension with us, okay? And I think this, this comes into play at the end of this, of this chapter here. We have this idea of identity or worship or love or um, this material plane or these, these things we can see. And Matthew talked that very first week he was Matthew, talking about kind of this, this life that we are living, the actions we are, we are moving about, the things we say, the, the emotions we have. And then we have this, this other life, this life to the full. He just talks about we're trying to, to for real suck the marrow out of life. We're trying to legitimately enjoy life in such a way, and we're living in such a way that that, in fact, will be the everlasting life. It doesn't start later, but it begins now and, and carries through, right? And so we have these ideas, and I think what, what John is saying here, and it's so interesting, is again, he's not saying don't, don't love the people in the world. He's not saying don't have wonderful, loving, enriching relationships. He's not saying don't have, you know, things that you enjoy and don't go to football games and don't cheer at the end of a movie and don't, don't become emotional when your son strikes your face, right? He's not saying any of those things. Rather, what he's saying is, again, this system of the world, this life contained in these 60 years, this not carrying through life, this, this way of living that doesn't ascribe to the Father. He says, don't indeed find your identity. In it. Don't find your worship and put your affections there. He says, there are things better to put affections in. And he moves on. He says, and the world is passing away, along with its desires. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, in the last hour, as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have already come. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. And if they had been of us, then they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might be plain that they were not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. And you have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And because there is no lie in the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who des- denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. 
then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father and in this promise that he has made to us, eternal life, life to the full. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you have received abides in you and you have no need for anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as he has taught, just as he has taught you, abide in him. So we have this argument in place here, okay? And that's a lot. It's confusing-ish. I want to kind of hit this main point here, all right? This argument here is who is sending them out, right? Who is sending them out? How are they supposed to behave in the world? What are they supposed to love? How much are they supposed to love it? What are they to be involved in? What are they to refrain from? He's going to go on later and talk about them being children of God, and it's because of this. This idea that he is carrying through here in this passage is this term, abide. We have this term that he continues to say, and he says, here's the deal. What you, what you have to understand, if you're going to be one of the Father, if you're not going to be deceived, if you're not going to be one who does deceive, if you're going to live a life of truth, he talked earlier about darkness and light, and if there's darkness in you, then it covers the light. But the light that is in you is too strong for darkness to even come in. He says, if you're going to be that person, that is going to come from one thing, it's going to be your abiding with the Son. He says, you must abide with him. His word, his anointing must abide in you. Now, this word abide is confusing. I doubt we say that very much, right? Who has used that in a sentence lately, right? I don't, I don't, I didn't tell Lily the other day, hey, come sit on the couch and abide with me for a little while. I, I do say ridiculous things sometimes and make up words, but I haven't said that lately. It's just a confusing term. Right? And it's, sometimes it's a very, very spiritual term, and so we throw it around, but we may not know what it means. Right? So let's go back, and let's actually look in John 15. Jesus is going to use this term kind of over and over, and let's look at it, kind of figure out what he's trying to say by abide in him, by letting your life abide with the life of Christ. Okay? So if you have your Bible, turn to John 15. If not, I'll read it to you. It's going to be great. All right, we'll start... Verse 4, I'm going to read a couple of passages here, and it says this. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will be abiding in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that, your joy, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy will be full. Again, he says it 30 times, right? This passage, abide in me, abide in my love, keep my commandments and thus abide in it. So let's, let's throw another word in for abide, okay? We could say dwell within, all right? We could say kind of place yourself into, 
the love, right? It kind of breaks down when you're saying place yourself into the Christ, but you can say place yourself into the life of the Christ and those things. But another word I think that we should use here that that I kind of want to get into is this word enjoy, okay? I want us to substitute for a little bit abide, and I want us to substitute it for enjoy, and I want to read that again, okay? I lost my place. I'll get back there. It says this, enjoy me as I enjoy you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it enjoys the vine, neither can you unless you enjoy me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever enjoys me and I enjoy him, he will bear much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not enjoy me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you enjoy me and my words find joy in you, ask whatever it is and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As my Father has loved me, so I love you. Enjoy my love. Beautiful. Enjoy my love. If you keep my commandments, you are enjoying my love. Just as I have kept my commandments, and I enjoy his love. These things I have spoken to you, that this joy may be full in you, not lacking anything. This is beautiful idea here that maybe abiding means enjoying something finding the fullness of joy within that right okay so if lily and i when when we when our marriage is the strongest it's when we are showing each other fully that we enjoy each other right because i can be around her and do things for her and not enjoy it right We, we do this a lot sometimes it helps if we do things to enjoy someone. But a lot of times, this, this, this joy, this, this, this pleasness, this life to the full happens when we look at abiding in that way, right? He says, enjoy my love. Here's, here's what I want to ask. What are things in your life that keep you from enjoying God's love? For some of us, it's this guilt. Something either we've been a part of or the life we lived last year or the life we're living now or what we have been identified as or how we have been perceived by other people. And what, what we may do is we say, yes, God, I am committed to you and I'm thankful, but I think you just love me because you said you would. I think you're kind of bound to what you said now and you may not really like loving me And so I'm not going to enjoy your love fully because I still feel guilty. And I still feel like maybe just me, you're just loving me because you promised you would once. And if you could have your way, you'd just get out of it. And so it's hard for us to enjoy his love. Some of us, we have a hard time enjoying his love because really the way we perceive love is you have to work for it. And so things like uh, Serve Awesome Sunday... And the way we, you know, restore group serve and the way sometimes our vocabulary here and the things we say about serving and how important it is to love the poor, that, that hits you well and it finds you well because honestly, when some of us are doing these things, it's, it's not maybe out of love as it is as much trying to earn it. In our church, that is a very, very dangerous thing for us. In fact, it's a very common thing for a lot of us. It's a common thing for me. It's a common thing for me because I want what I'm doing to kind of 
gain favor somehow. I don't know why that is. I want loving my neighbor to make God like me better, right? When my neighbors come over and sit on the porch, when I leave, I'm like, oh, I hope, I hope that was good. I hope that helps him enjoy me. I hope that's what I was supposed to be doing. Instead of doing that in freedom and enjoying his love, I do things to earn it, right? So many of us do that. So many of us fall into that category. Some of us, we we don't enjoy his love because we don't know it well. When we hear Paul in Philippians 3 say things like, I want to know Christ, I want even his sufferings, maybe even I'll even take his death just so that I can have fellowship and satisfaction by knowing that I'm becoming like him in those things. He says, I count everything else scupula. I count it all trash, harmful human waste. I count it all less and less and less so that I can just know him and be in his presence. And we hear something like that and it sounds silly. Or we say, of course, Paul's supposed to like Jesus that much. Of course, he loves them that much, but I, I've never felt like I count everything else as harmful waste compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. This idea of knowing him is so foreign to us because we'd rather do things for him or be good for him, right? Or just really be better than most for him. And watch our mouths and watch what we do and try to do the right thing every once in a while and don't cheat on our taxes. Maybe, maybe that's as good as the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, no, no, no. I am going to enjoy him fully that I may abide in him. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You must be so connected with me that I give you the power and the joy to bear fruit. This, this fruit comes from enjoying the vine. It comes from abiding within him, dwelling in that life, letting it become yours, and you become a part of it. I know I'm, I'm rambling saying that. I'm trying to define the best way to stay within, to draw near to, to enjoy him. He goes on and he says it, He says some other things that I do want to hit on real quick. Um, He goes on and he says, Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. Let it enjoy you. Enjoy it. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father and this promise that he has made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing you have received from abides in you. And you have no need that anyone should teach you. Now, I want to talk about this for a second. And this, this may seem separate from what we are talking about earlier. But what do we think about that? Again, I want response. What, what in the world would he may mean when he says this anointing from God that's been given to you allows you now to not have need to be taught? What does that mean? Why would he say that? He says this anointing you've been given, you don't even need to be taught anymore. What is he saying? He uses the what now? 
the willing, right? He says, maybe it's not in your, your training, right, but your willingness to enjoy, and your willingness to enjoy that anointing, and your willingness to act in it. Maybe so. Okay? What else? So you're talking about this specific teaching he's giving. He says, this teaching isn't even a need for some of you. You know you have this desire to abide, right? Okay, like that. Yeah. This relationship is this anointing, and thus there's no there's no need for being taught, right? What else? Okay. He even said it's better for the helper to come than him to be there, which is crazy to me. I'm like, no, I'd I'd really like you to be here, as it turns out. I don't disagree with you, Jesus, necessarily. I would like it better to have you here. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, you're exactly right. Someone else is right here. Yep. That everything would hinge on that, he even says, right? All of the law. All of the prophets. Anything else I could say will hinge on that very thing. That's the deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was talking with Brian last week. And we were uh, talking about some, uh, <laughs> it sounds silly to say, we were talking about poetry last week at the end. Um, but we were talking about one of his favorite authors. And so I wanted to read a quote uh, from that that fits in with this, I think. And um, Walt Whitman in Leaves of Grass says this. You shall no longer take things at second or third hand, nor look through the eyes of the dead, nor feed on the specters of books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take them from me. You shall listen to all sides, filter them, and see them for yourself. Listen to that again. You will no longer take things at second or third hand, nor look through the eyes of the dead, or feed on the specters of books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take things from me. You shall instead listen to all sides, filter them, and see them for yourself. It's this idea, and all of you have said it so very well, that when you are abiding, when the joy is complete, because you are absolutely enthralled, and absolutely a part of this idea of loving God, Holy Spirit dwelling so richly in you 
that you could truly say with all honesty, without a doubt or a hint of hesitation, you could say, I want to know Christ. Everything else is rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, be found abiding in him. If this is your life, you are in fact seeing things firsthand. No longer having to, to hear about God's business through a prophet or a story. You no longer have to hear about how someone else has had a blessing. Someone doesn't even have to be here convincing someone to do anything or, or talking loud sometimes and trying to explain it. You know it for yourself. You have seen it firsthand. It's yours. You are a part of it, and it is intimately a part of you. This fullness of enjoyment, this abiding, when that is us, yes, then we do have it. Every other law from the prophet or any other teacher is going to be wrapped up in what we're doing. We are going to act as Christ. We will love as Christ. We will speak as Christ. We will do all of the things that, in fact, Christ is currently doing and did do and will enjoy it and bear much fruit. Just when that, when that time comes, there's no need to be convinced of it. There's no need to, to have a teacher get you through the week on a Sunday morning. You're consistently being taught. We don't have to be convinced and reminded through five songs and a talk and announcements at the end to love God Monday through Saturday. But that is, that is what we are and what we are about and how we are living. This, this abiding. And so today, maybe, maybe we just say that. Maybe we say, it's, it's time for us to no longer need be taught to do the right thing, to say the right words and love correctly and be selfless and be more giving and do things for the poor. Maybe it should become a normal fruit that we bear because we are enjoying his love. Maybe that's what we start focusing on rather than saying, okay, okay, I have to check off the list, love my neighbor. I haven't done that in like two weeks. I have to check off loving the poor. I have to find some poor people. I have to check off going to restore group. I have to check off coming and singing loudly and being focused the entire time. Maybe we stop that and we say, the one desire of myself will be to abide in his love. Maybe the one desire of ourself will be to actually be able to say, I count it all rubbish that I'm making Maybe those other things happen as a result of that. They happen naturally. And it brings us the fullest joy. Let me pray for us.